You're listening to the One Small Bite Podcast with me, your host, David Roscoe. For over a decade, I have built a successful nutrition practice helping thousands of people thrive, nourish their life, and break the cycle of crazy diets. We will take one small bite at a time to transform your health and develop a positive relationship to food. So let's chop the diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Okay, are you ready? Let's do this. Hola, hola, hola. Welcome to the One Small Bite Podcast. I'm your host, David Orozco, registered dietitian, nutritionist, and certified intuitive eating counselor. And at Orozco Nutrition, we practice from a weight-inclusive, health-at-every-size, intuitive eating approach. You'll learn more about that. If you're listening to this podcast, you'll understand what we talk about. But today's show, I've got a good one. We're going to talk about, do carbohydrates make us gain weight? Now, before I get started, let me just give a quick disclaimer in this episode and podcast. It is for educational and informational purposes only. This is not a substitute for a medical, emotional, or weight-inclusive nutrition or health consult. For that, you're probably better off seeking a registered dietitian, nutritionist, or a health professional that is hopefully aligned in Hayes Intuitive Eating and Weight Inclusive and is licensed and in, in your state. I would also say that I don't bleep out curse words, so if you're listening in with little ones, just a note that may come up, so you might want to silence that while this happens. All right, now let's go into the show. So, as I mentioned, I was talking to a client not so long ago, and in that consultation, I suggested that they try having a slice or two of whole wheat toast with their breakfast. The client then said, wait a minute, I tend to get bloated or I get heavy feeling when I eat carbohydrates. They, they Don't they make you gain weight? This is probably one of the most common questions I get about carbohydrates. It's the fear that people have, and it's been in our brains by a slew of diets, marketing hype, and information over the last 40 or 50 years. Doctors, health professionals, social media, news, and so many more people, friends, family, they all talk about how carbs are the weight gain food, right? In fact, I get a lot of clients that will make an appointment and in the first session, they'll say, well, you know, I try to avoid those carbs. I'd like to set this straight. All foods have the potential to make you gain weight. Some gain weight throughout life is essential for good health. And I'm not just talking about in those toddler, teens, tweens years. I'm talking about throughout the course of life. For example, a woman needs to have a considerable amount of fat in her body in order to have a healthy pregnancy. Below 10% body fat is actually pretty unhealthy, even for a guy. I know we hear a lot about people in that 3-4% body fat category. That actually is not healthy. I often tell people that you can live a longer life overeating than you can if you starve. Example, right? How long can you live without food? Well, the answer is with water, four weeks, maybe five. Without water, probably no more than four or five days. So 
how long can you live overeating? <laughs> Good luck answering that question. I mean, there really isn't an answer. But David, come on, you know, if I gain weight, won't I develop those chronic illnesses? Maybe. Or maybe not. It's complicated. The development of these chronic illnesses are tied to a variety of different factors in life. In fact, I believe that stress is a much bigger determinant of someone developing hypertension or high blood sugar, cholesterol, hypothyroidism, or other illnesses, including maybe arthritis or gaining weight. But it's hard to quantify that because we just don't have causality, research that shows cause and effect in a lot of these chronic long-term illnesses. David, aren't there healthier types of carbs? Well, in reality, there are different types of carbs. Some are more processed than others, but to say one is healthier than the other is a little misleading. Let's go ahead and look at what carbohydrates are. What most people think of when they think of carbohydrates are the starchy stuff, like potatoes, rice, pasta, cereal, bread, and pastries. But there are other types of food that also contain carbohydrates like fruits, dairy, beans, and some small amounts in nuts and seeds. There are other types of carbohydrates, and this is probably the one that a lot of people are a little bit more iffy about. These types would be almond milk or soy milk, desserts, chocolate, candy, and other forms of sugar and confectionaries that might be out there, chips, and so on and so forth. This is what most people seem to fear. And so what is it that they're fearing? Well, again, I think the most important thing is people don't realize that by giving up these foods, they tend to want to eat them more later on, or they tend to want to eat different types of these carbohydrates in the future or in, in other settings. Let me, let me change gears here on you just a little bit. Carbohydrates like bread, pasta, rice, potatoes, and other starchy types have been demonized and villainized over the years by a lot of diets that have been out there but they are an essential part of so many cultures. Here's what I mean. What would be unhealthy would be to ask people to eliminate or remove foods that they grew up with. That's like asking people to stop being Latino or African-American or Muslim or Asian or Italian. Let me give you an example. If I remove or eliminate or restrict an amount of carbohydrates, I will likely be removing a considerable amount of energy, calories in other words. Therefore, I will probably maybe lose weight. How much can vary, of course. What's actually happening is one would also be eliminating a bunch of other things by removing carbs from the diet. For example, would you eat spaghetti sauce without the spaghetti? Would you eat a sandwich without the bread? Well, maybe some of you might do a, a lettuce wrap, right? How long does that last? Not much. So not really. By cutting out carbohydrates, you eliminate sauces, spreads, creams, dressings, sides, condiments, and a slew of other foods. Or another way of saying that, calories. Hence, the weight loss. It's not the carbohydrates, but Ironically, to my client's point, 
When they often eat carbohydrates, they feel bloated or they feel heavy. Well, think about it. The vast majority of carbohydrates we end up eating will have cheese or sauce or creams or spreads or something on them or with them. We don't just eat a slice of toast for breakfast. We might have butter or we might have cream or we have sauce or avocado or an egg with it. So, I mean, they're not eaten alone. Now, going back to that culture part. When I was a little kid, my mother would often make these delicious Colombian arepas for breakfast. Now, arepas are essentially a white or a yellow corn, thick and starchy pancake. Oh my gosh, they are so good. My mother would hand make them, pat them down in the morning. She'd make a stack of them and then she'd put them on to the stove on this little hand uh, grill, like one little grill. And then she would heat them up on one side. Sometimes they'd char a little bit and then flip them over and same thing. And then she'd serve it to us nice and hot. And then we'd have butter. And then we would then poke holes on it so the butter seeps into the arepa. And then on top of that, we'd put some queso blanco. And then we'd also have either a fried egg on top or she'd make us some scrambled eggs on the side. Oh, man, that was so delicious. I'd love when the fried egg, the yolk was still a little runny, and you'd bite into the yolk, and then the yolk juice would fall down, and I'd put my other arepa right underneath it because I'm like, oh, I'm not going to lose all that yummy, juicy yolk from the, uh, from the egg. Oh, man, it was so good. So to eat a high-fiber, whole-grain, high-protein arepa, I don't know. <laughs> First of all, I don't know of anything like that, and I would imagine that the taste just wouldn't be there, and it's and it's so important for the taste to be something that is familiar. I often tell a lot of people, you are eating experientially, which means that when you eat a food, the next time you eat it, you're trying to match not just the flavor, but the experience with that as well. The flavor, the taste is so involved with the culture, your upbringing, and the environment that you grew up with. So it, it has a taste not just because of the food. It has a taste because of the experience. There's a great researcher out of the University of Cambridge in, in the UK. His name is Professor Charles Spence. He wrote a book called uh, Food, uh, no, Gastrophysics. And it's really interesting, but he's done a lot of research on what's called cross-motor sensory or cross-motor psychology or physiology, excuse me. And what he talks about is how you can remove some experience and the flavor of something will be completely different. For example, people talk about how delicious a wine is when they're on vacation in the Tuscan towns, when you go to those vineyards in Italy and you're sitting down overlooking these incredible valleys and lakes and just beautiful vineyards. And you think, oh, I got to bring some of this wine home. And you buy a case of it and you bring it home. And then you have a dinner where you invite people to eat some of the foods. I know I've done this. We've done this in my house. We've gone on vacation and we sit down. We invite people over to kind of bring in the foods that we ate when we were some other place. And then we drink wine and we talk about, oh, how delicious this wine is and was the best wine ever. And then you serve it and people are like, Oh, I don't know. It's not as great as he made it out to be. And then you taste it and you're like, huh, 
That's interesting. Maybe it was something with the flight. Maybe the the air pressure changed the 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 composition of the wine. <laughs> no, the experience that you're in changed the flavor of the wine. Believe it or not. So these flavors I grew up with. They make me feel connected to my roots. To be disconnected from a person's background or family, there is a very high likelihood that can lead to depression, loneliness, and stress. How is that healthy? It's not. Carbohydrates don't make us fat or gain weight any more than any other foods do. And here's the thing: all foods fit, regardless of their processing. It's not what we eat so much, but how we eat it. I often tell people that if you eat enough of a certain food all of the time, a lot, there's a high likelihood that there will be some kind of reaction to that. You'll get sick of it, or it might cause you bloating, or it may maybe make you feel heavy, or may make you gain weight. Okay, though, to circle back to being bloated or feeling heavy, this is actually not false. There are a variety of carbohydrates that require a significant amount of water to be consumed. For example, in order to make rice, you use twice as much water as you do rice. In order to cook pasta, you need water. There is a lot of water in potatoes, and so there is a lot of water in the foods and the carbohydrates that we consume, as well as fruits. For example, some fruit can draw water into the colon and cause that bloated, uncomfortable feeling that we get. There's also a good amount of fiber in grains and a lot of carbohydrates that we consume, and those fibers both help transport water as well as they a, cause a considerable amount of flatulence or gas that's created by the microbes. So many carbohydrates can cause bloatedness. You can feel heavy with consuming carbohydrates, but this doesn't mean that you gain weight or that you have the chance of gaining weight. They don't contain as many calories, say for example, as fat. What's more important is if the body needs those carbohydrates, then it'll use them, even if there's a little bit of bloatedness or uncomfortable feeling. Remember, carbohydrates are the main source of energy for your body from food. They are used to produce glucose, and so therefore it gets stored in the liver and in the muscle. And therefore, we need that energy later on, especially at night when we sleep, to have our natural hormonal and physiological functions. Here's a question I get sometimes: But David, what about those highly processed carbohydrates like pastries, candy, or baked products out there? Well, these are actually designed by the food industry to deliver a very high amount of sugar, fat, and salt. So the key there is you buy it more. Ah, and the irony might be that these are also connected to some type of experience you had, maybe as a little kid, or maybe in your house, like Halloween or Thanksgiving or birthdays or some kind of celebration when some of these confectionaries were around. And so, eating these foods are tied into not only that sensory overload that you're getting from sugar, fat, or salt. But it's also tied into the experience, and you're gonna want to relive that experience. And so the food industry very well knows that. But there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of these foods and enjoying them with company and friends. But I'm also saying that in small amounts, 
There's nothing wrong with these foods either. Now, hey, I am not for any of these companies. And quite honestly, I do believe that some of these companies need to do a lot better job providing us with healthier options. But at the same time, it's not really those foods that cause a problem. I've never seen someone become a heavy person because they ate two or three Oreo cookies. And I actually haven't even seen anybody become a heavy person because they eat a whole box of Oreo cookies. That's not going to feel good. Most people won't. You'll probably have a whole lot because you haven't eaten them in a long time. And so then the guilt starts kicking in. And then then you feel like, oh, I did something wrong or, oh, forget it. I can't last in this. Or, you know what? I had a little bit. I can have a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, you're eating those foods that you eliminated a little bit more. Do you know why that happens, by the way? That happens because you've eliminated them. In fact, the single greatest predictor of overeating is when we restrict. So here's a simple one small bite approach I take when helping people enjoy carbohydrates. It is to slow down and listen to what your body wants and needs. That's a little complicated, I understand. Sometimes what you want is a little different from what you need, meaning that your body may confuse need and want. But if you start paying attention, maybe what you're needing is to talk to someone. Maybe the food that you're eating is a way to distract you from something that you don't want to feel or that you're afraid to feel. So I think it's important to understand what want and need also means. I have this exercise. It comes from the Intuitive Eating Workbook. Um, I have to give credit here to Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, who wrote the book Intuitive Eating, and they also have a workbook that's out there. But I have them do this handout exercise called the Deconstructive Eating Behavior Exercise. Now, what that exercise does is it asks people when they're getting the urge to binge or overeat or eat in large quantities is to first stop and pay attention pay attention to what they are feeling pay attention to what thoughts come through your mind or what you might be feeling and at first this is a actually difficult thing to do some of us actually including myself have a hard time understanding what i am feeling or what people are feeling and so This exercise is great because the more you do it, the more in tune you get to a feeling. And there's a higher likelihood that you won't immediately jump into what you're familiar doing when you feel this, especially when you're not aware that you might even be feeling it. Let me give you an example. I had a client who would eat a considerable amount of chips. And when I asked him why he was eating that many chips... He said, well, I just feel compulsion to do it and I don't stop. And I said to him, okay, well, what is it that you are doing when you're having those chips? And he says, well, usually I'm at the computer or I'm watching a movie or watching the news or watching something on TV. And I said to him, okay, well, why don't you take the bag of chips and find a place without any distraction and do this deconstructive eating behavior? And so you stop and you ask yourself, what am I feeling? Now, there are several columns of feelings, words that are in different categories that he can circle or a person can circle. This is a great little exercise. They start capturing maybe three to five different feelings. 
from what I'm severely feeling to what I'm slightly feeling. Then the next question is, what is it that I need or what is it that I want? And so what we try to do with that is, what is it about the food that is helping you with the feeling or what is it doing? And so you might also figure out that you need to call someone or you need to talk to someone or you need to set boundaries or you need to wake up earlier, you need to take a nap or you are overworked or you're bored or you're overwhelmed. And this starts opening the door. And by opening this door, we find a better connection to ourselves. And what's really important about this is that in in many instances, people tell me that by practicing to slow down and mindfully eat a snack or a meal, it helps them eat less and not feel out of control. Now, I just want to say that I don't feel that weight gain alone is the cause of problems in our lives. It's not the cause of diabetes. It's not the cause of high blood pressure or high cholesterol or hypothyroidism. Now, it may be associated with it, yes, but I do not believe that it is the cause. We actually do not have weight as a cause of these things. So, some weight gain is the body's potential for telling you something. And this is what I mean about listening to your body. If you are not afraid of feeling and maybe even gaining a little bit of weight, you might be better in the future at getting to the root of the problem. It's not the cookies or the cake or the pasta or the rice or the cereal that may cause the bloating or the heavy feeling. It may be the emotion or it may be the feeling that you're having in your life, the stress, the boredom, the exhaustion, the overwhelm, the burnout that may be created by other things in your life. So these carbohydrates are the ones that end up suffering the consequences or linked to me gaining or people gaining weight. It's a way of making peace with food and to truly learn how to enjoy your food without all the challenges. Weight gain is less likely to happen if you pay attention to your body, especially if you are eating in line with what your needs and wants are, and therefore less likely to be overeating, which will then help you stay the same weight. And this is is also important. I find that it's important that, yes, you may not like what you're weighing, but to try to lose weight can actually cause you to gain weight in the future. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Think about a person in their mid to late 20s, and they started gaining a little weight, maybe two, three pounds, maybe five. And they jump on a scale and they go, oh, I got to lose some weight. And they think, I'm gaining this weight. But the body has a set point where it could gain five to 10 pounds up or down or lose five to 10 pounds and sort of the body likes to stay within that set point in many cases. And so maybe over time, they decide to do a weight loss program or they try to lose weight with some kind of food rule or, hey, cutting out carbohydrates. And what ends up happening is that they lose some weight, maybe more than the set point level. And 
Then about two or three years later, they gain more weight back than when they started. So then they try to lose weight again. And they might not lose as much as they did the first time, or they actually lose a lot, lot more. Fast forward another three to five years, and the person gains weight, and again, more than where they started, or at least somewhere higher than when they were in their 20s. Now we've got maybe 10, 15 years into the future, and they try losing weight again, but this time it doesn't work that much, and then they gain a little bit more. Now, fast forward, they're 50, and they're doing it again, and this is the definition of insanity. They're doing the same thing over and over again, cutting out carbs, cutting out some kind of food, and every single time in the future, they're gaining weight. This is the reason why I think it's unhealthy to lose weight. If we would just stay the same and our allow our bodies to work through some of the food and challenges in our lives, we might actually avoid the cycling of weight, which in my mind has a greater effect on our health and deteriorates our body's systems greater over time. I think if you pay attention to that, that would be a bigger improvement over time. So if we cut out carbohydrates, then we're doing the same thing as we did before. How is that going to help? It's not. Your body won't go through these peaks and valleys, which causes more stress on your body's organs and might be actually better off. Carbs don't make you fat. Eating mindlessly and fearfully is probably more likely to cause that. By the way, you're wondering what happened with my client when I suggested that he try to have a couple of slices of whole wheat toast or toast with breakfast? He actually tried. He had toast and a little bit more carbohydrates for breakfast and lunch, and he noticed that he wasn't craving the carbohydrate as much. Isn't that funny? He did something different. Instead of eliminating them, he had them. And by having them, he actually started to enjoy eating enough of what he needed. No more, nor less. Now, this may not be exactly what will work for you, but hey, that's a thought, right? Okay. Thank you so much for listening in today and being part of the show. If you like what you've been hearing, we would love it if you can subscribe, rate, and review the show. This will really help us grow the podcast and get these important messages out to many people. And stay tuned because I've got a lot of other great shows coming up for you next. I am going to be talking about rhythmic eating. Wait until you hear about that one. This one's really cool. This is a situation where I see a lot of clients, a lot of people that I work with dealing with. So stay tuned. I am excited to bring you this information. Oh, and remember, come January 2024, I'm starting a new men's group called Live a Nourished Life. Stay tuned for more wonderful details, where to get connected, and how to find out more information about that, the cost, and all of that. So, hey, thanks for listening in. And remember, chop that diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Till next time, ciao. Oh, yeah.